going to start off by saying I apologize in advance for any uh, notification sounds my phone gives off. I'm uh, sitting on guard duty while I record this. Something I find myself struggling a lot with nowadays is the concept of time and how we fill our day with all sorts of little different things. Like, for example, I wake up around 6, 5, 6 in the morning and, um, you know, it's then and there I decide, do I want to sleep for another hour or do I get up and get my day going? And a lot of the times it's just easier just to stay still and relax and just sleep but because we all have to work i get up and i get going but if i were to start waking up earlier then i would have more time to sleep in you know <laughs> it's a bit of a weird one but it, it feels better to wake up and then go back to sleep in the morning than it does sleep straight through the morning and then get up at the appropriate time but recently I started waking up a little bit earlier just so I could uh, start making myself like a good and proper breakfast instead of, you know, just a bowl of cereal or whatever I can get from the dining facility. Um, it's nice. It really is. But it's just it's it's mentally straining because I could be spending this time that I'm instead using to build a good breakfast. I could be spending it asleep or, you know you know, in a meditative resting state. Man. A lot of why why I want to talk about this comes to cleaning, really. Like, cleaning is such an important, important thing. But I struggle to do it. Cleaning is a very daunting task for me. It takes a lot out of me to clean. And a lot of people say it's relaxing, it's stressful, all that. Uh, not stressful, it's relaxing, stress relieving. You know, it helps soothe the mind. It's meditative. And I can, I can understand where they're coming from. But for me, because I get so focused and so deep into it, it's just, it's hard. It really is hard for me to clean. But meaning menial tasks, you know, really grating, boring stuff that's just repetition I'm really good with because I can, I, I can glaze over and just, you know, relax and enter, you know, a sort of, like, state of unconsciousness while I do it. But cleaning, it just takes so much out of me because I have to hyper-focus on what I'm cleaning. I have to make sure I scrub every little uh, millimeter of the floor. I have to wipe down the walls, all this other stuff, and it's just a lot to do. And it's something I really struggle with, but the the hardest part about it all is just finding time in my day to clean, because usually I come home from work and I go to sleep, because sleep is relaxing, it's easy, it's, you know, it's a, it's a nice place to be, but if you spend all day sleeping and things get dirty, you start to neglect personal care. I mean, shoot, I've been struggling to just take a shower every day when I wake up because I've been wanting to sleep longer, but I, I, I find time to do it at some point throughout the day, even if it's a little after I've gotten my day started. Um, yeah, no, taking care of yourself both physically, mentally, and your environment is all something that we have to balance as people, and that's... That's honestly a challenge for me.
because I would much rather be doing something else, something I don't have to worry about what's going on around me. And some something I hear a lot in in my in my experiences when people come to take a look at my room, they say, "Wow, you have a lot of stuff. You have like a lot of stuff," which kind of it gets to me because, you know, I, yeah, I can acknowledge that I have a lot of things, but they're organized in a very, you know, straightforward fashion, or at least what I believe is straightforward, but I've been stopping to think about it as of late, and I could spend more time organizing. If I were just to take the extra 10, 15 minutes a day to organize myself, maybe sweep instead of, you know, mess around with figures or whatever I wouldn't be so constantly challenged by cleaning because it's usually a burst activity for me it's something I sit down and say okay today's the day to clean today's when I make everything look right for a couple more days when if I were to just constantly do it then it wouldn't be as much of a struggle but it's that routine building that I'm also struggling with because if you have a routine and you stick to it then it eventually becomes easy just to keep doing what you were doing but something I notice is my day is always different even if I'm doing the same thing it is a different day I perceive the little differences throughout the day and that's what makes it a unique day and that's mostly why I struggle with building a routine because a routine is the same thing every day but it's just if I can't do the same thing every single day then how can I build a routine trying to accomplish exactly that? So I, I I usually don't bother with routines. I usually keep myself accountable by having like a list or something. Like if if, if you write down all of your tasks in broad terms, you're going to get overwhelmed. But if you write it down, the specific task that you have to specifically do to accomplish that specific goal, like for example. Instead of write, writing down sweep the floors or whatever, you say bathroom, sweep floor, living room, sweep floor, uh, hallway, sleep, sweep floor, bedroom, sweep floor. Um, and you break it down as individualized as possible. The tasks, yeah, the task list will grow, but they're easier to accomplish tasks. It's like, um, instead of fighting, you know, a whole bunch of high-powered enemies in a video game you instead break it down into their little minions you know you can kick a skeleton's head clean off for example in like D&D or most video games but you'll struggle with uh, the necromancer but if you break it down to the necromancer is nothing but the collection of skeletons that you're fighting then it's and it's a little bit easier. I don't know where I'm going with that, but I I hope that's an understandable analogy. It's not a metaphor, because I use because of the way it's phrased. But it's an interesting analogy to me, at least. Um, it's that that kind of mentality of breaking things down into their smallest parts. That's that's something that I use a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Like, if I'm going for a, let's say, five-mile run, 
instead of set, breaking it down into just five parts of each mile, I'll break each mile down into four parts, and then I'll have five of those, meaning I have 20 parts. So along the way, I can measure fractionized how far I've gone, and that constant, you're this much closer, this much closer, this much closer, is what drives me to keep going because that shows the constant progress instead of just that snap finish snap finish snap finish to each each leg of the race or run or whatever and stuff that i can't apply that to that's they're usually things i struggle with for example push-ups i really really struggle with push-ups because it is a two movement action and then that's only one item i can't measure one thirty second the way through a push-up I mean, I could start doing it so that I measure each half of that is half of the something, I don't know. I'm, I'm, the, what I'm trying to get out of my head is, say I have to do 100 push-ups. Each push-up is broken down into two parts, meaning that I really have to do 200 actions. That means the first time I go down, that's one 200th, that's one 100th. That's three two hundredths. That's you know all all the way through, and I could start doing it like that, but that is a lot of mental calculation when I'm so focused on making sure I maintain a good form while I do them. Because unlike running, push-ups actually have a form. They have a good, a correct way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Running, yeah, there's better forms so that you can run easier. But as long as you're moving fast and you get to the goal before uh, the amount of time that you wanted to make that run, then it's then it doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you don't break the rules. I've considered that when I organize my thoughts into different categories, I f I, f I find it's more like a Venn diagram of where they fall like you know like one of those like characteristic uh shapes where it's mostly it's a triangle but sometimes it's a square or even a uh, pentagon or sometimes even a hexagon if you're really ambitious about it where you have one point and the closer to uh, to any corner that you move the further from the other two you get and the more characteristic of that corner it is and you can find in betweens and get like real interesting spots on it and the more corners you add, the more detailed and more complex each thing can be defined as. And I constantly find that my thoughts and emotions are exactly like that, where I'm always a mixture of at least four or five other things, but mostly in in line with one uh, one set variable. So it's I I think it's fascinating because. It means that if I wanted to define something as good or bad, that means it would have the opposite qualities to it. Like, say I think that something is bad, it would have to have something good about it for me to find that it's bad. You know? And it makes it so that my thoughts are a little overwhelming at times because I, because things will be so related, so similar, that it makes deciding on how to think about it, it makes it rough to do. 
And I know that I, I keep saying everything is hard, but that's because life is a struggle. And that's okay. It's okay to struggle in life because that's what we're here for. I, I think. I believe so, yeah. But we struggle all the time. And people who have it easy, I notice a lot of times those people really don't think about this stuff in deep thought. Like, either that or they're on the opposite end of that spectrum. They've thought about it so much that they have reached a point of acceptance with it. You know, they're not bothered by it anymore because they have just spent so much time thinking about it. But it's... It's interesting because I, I I absolutely applaud those people who aren't bothered by their own thoughts all the time. Like, I'll, I'll be sitting with myself just thinking, and I'll think of something absolutely atrocious, and I'll just go, wow, that was awful. How, how, how could you think of something so terrible? But then I realized it's okay to think about terrible things. It's okay to have you know, awful opinions as long as you keep them to yourself and you don't let them, you know, change who you are outwardly, I guess, because keeping things internalized is good and all, but sometimes it's best to talk about them. And that takes a very specific audience. It really does take a specific audience to talk about all the deep, dark things that we have stored up in our heads. Um, I can't think of any right now, fortunately, but it's just, it's, it's daunting to always have thoughts that are constantly linking to other thoughts that if I sit long enough and just think, I'll eventually drive myself mad by sheer principle of everything is connected and eventually the madness will come seeping out. But I... I think it's... I, I, I don't know. I define madness as... You have these impulsive thoughts, you have these dark things that you have in your mind, but instead of acting on them, instead of letting them take control, you can stop, you can stop yourself and go, wait, that's not a good idea. That's not a thought that I want to act upon. And that's what keeps you from being mad. The truly mad lads, the absolutely... <laughs> The people who've gone absolutely bonkers, you'll notice, gave up that filtering process. And I don't know, I, I think it must be freeing, like really truly like enlightening to just give up constantly filtering all these, you know, dark and sensitive things out of your head and just let them happen. And finding a controllable way to do that. I think that's what people are searching for when they're looking for enlightenment. But other people other people just kind of let it happen. And you know, good on them, I suppose. There's there's really truly worst ways to handle situations like that, but it could always always be worse than what it than whatever you're handling right now to be honest and I know that sounds terrible I know some people are in really really terrible situations but if you really think about it you could always come up with something to make it worse but in doing so you give that thought power and it could be it could end up becoming a reality based upon you 
acknowledging that it can, that it can be worse and then coming up with examples on how. So when you're ever stressed about something, I, or at least when I'm stressed about things, I like to sit and think it could be worse, but it is not that. It is not that worst point. It, I can improve from where I am because it could be better and it could always be worse. And to quote, uh, I forget who, but it, it's something that that I keep like sticky note stuck to the front of my head at all times. It does not get better. You do. You as a person get better. And that's really important to me. That's something I, I'm violent. I want to say violently thinking about all the time is I can get better than this. I will improve. Oh no, I th I think that's my that's my background speaking from there, because if you look at it, Eastern uh, Eastern meditation, Eastern way Eastern ways of handling things is sitting and experiencing and utilizing your current abilities to help alter the situation rather than the Western methods of I will be the change, I will be the subject that causes this to be different. And it's it's a really interesting thought. And categorizing that thought can be really difficult sometimes. Have you ever tried organizing files? <laughs> it's 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 an interesting thing to do. It really is fascinating to just sit and organize random files. If it's all medical documents, then you can't just organize it as all these medical documents go with medical documents there. You have to know the very little specific details to each document and how it differs from others. And I, I, I kind of like it, you know. It's a nice system because you can be categorized as one thing and stay that one thing, you know. You can add variables to it and you can have even the occasional outlier, but for the most part... If you set a category to a document, it stays that category. But organizing daily tasks in life like that, that's much, much more stressful than it needs to be because life is always unique. It's always changing into something different. And that's, that's why it's so hard to just keep organized for some people is because they know that it's always going to be different. So what's the point of adding a tag to it when that tag's not going to matter today, tomorrow, an hour from now? But one of the interesting things about life and or trying to organize it all is that some people just kind of get it. They just kind of know that a task is going to be different tomorrow, even if it's the exact same thing. But because it's the same task in a different scenario, it's still a part of a specific category. And people who do that financially are, I, I, I think they're geniuses. They're absolutely amazing to me. Because finances, yes, you're paying for the same thing, like bill-wise, but your paycheck is always different, you know? <laughs> and you're never buying, like, the same groceries over and over again. Otherwise, you know, you know exactly how much you're spending. Some, day, some days you go to the supermarket and you see, oh, this... This meat is cheaper if I buy it with this one, too. I'm just going to add this one in. But your price still goes a little bit up. Or you think, man, I really we didn't eat as much uh, rice as we did. Or we still have plenty of eggs back home. We don't need to buy those this time, man. You just 
spend less and people who can stick to like a very specific spending budget are really really impressive to me because they know how to buy for the future as well as not spend a whole bunch at once because my usual method involves going to the store buying everything i need for month maybe a month and a half and then buy and then whenever i want to make something specific i go out and buy the stuff for that and that works until you realize you're spending money for literally every meal when instead you could buy all the ingredients you need for a whole bunch of different possibilities but but that's 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 where the interesting part comes in because people who go shopping like that know the similarity things to buy and already have all this extra stuff to make the small things that decide how a dish is made or what like what kind of dish is they already have all these small extra things and if you don't have them already it can be incredibly difficult because you'll go out for taco stuff one one night and then the next night you want to make some um some asian food but you realize you don't have like the correct spices or you need to go buy a wok so that you can make the stir fry or even soy sauce for god's sake soy sauce is so important when making a lot of american asian cuisine and, and I, I phrase it like that because that's honestly what it is it is american americanized asian food if you go back and get the genuine recipes for original asian foods it's it's pretty wild <laughs> it is pretty wild i'm not going to lie um but trying to organize that when you learn how to do that it's very special skill because it start apply it starts applying to more and more things and knowing the system the algorithms you need to actually organize things that's something that people don't really teach each other some people pick up on it and they just kind of get it but nobody really tells you here here this is the way to organize the best the, the best i've figured out so far is just guess at it and if it doesn't work this time give it a small change next time but like i said things are always different from the day to day so trying to organize your daily life like that is it's intense it really is intense and i just kind of wish somebody would come by and say here's how to live your daily life do this every day and you will find happiness but if somebody could tell me that then they would tell other people that and they'd probably make a lot of money doing that but <laughs> daily organization can be rough so if you find yourself struggling with it just don't worry it'll be fine it, it will be fine nobody really has this whole daily organization thing down i mean some people have a day planner other people will just fall into a routine me i kind of guess at it until it works and that works a lot of the times until it doesn't um but that's why i have so many contingencies through the day is oh no i forgot to shave well it's okay because i keep razors in my car or I forgot to brush my teeth, uh, I keep toothbrush, toothpaste in my work bathroom, so I can just walk in there and do that real fast, or if I forget food, that's why I usually keep like an emergency snack uh, in my uh, scram kit, I, I 
it's it's a kit I keep in my car in case I you know get stuck on the side of the road during winter but in the summertime I don't keep it in my car because you know it's ugly and it takes up space that's something I should talk about though is taking up space so did you know I absolutely hate cleaning I I talked about this earlier but I I I, I still got more thoughts on it. <laughs> I really do. I hate cleaning so much. Because it's chaotic. Well, no. Not that. It's systemized chaos, I should say. Um, a lot of my friends, if you talk to them, I am an element of chaos in their lives. I bring surprise, randomosity, and even turmoil at times to them, but in a way that's healthy and orthodox you know a, a lot of a lot of the times when I talk to people they tell me when I talk to them about alignments I should say they tell me I am chaotic good because I strive for nothing else but goodness and will accomplish it by any means and at least that's how I define it but they but they, they tell me that because of my chaotic nature and how I thrive in absolute turmoil and just complete disarray I can utilize that kind of energy to do good but cleaning to me is systemized it's it's the chaos that I thrive in but it's been controlled and collared and held down and forced to look at the light for better terms of uh, I really don't like it it's 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 strangling it it really is the collar around my neck that drags me as I refuse to walk. I, I bring that up because every time I think of how cleaning affects me, it's like trying to walk your cat. You know, some of them, yeah, you, you put them in the little harness or the little collar and they're perfectly fine with it. They'll just walk around and eventually you can get them walking on the side of the road with you. It's, it's cool. Other cats will just lay down and tell you, no, I refuse. I stand my ground by not standing at all. And that's how I feel. I absolutely despise it. But it's necessary. It is absolutely necessary. And that really bothers me. I'm, I, I've been thinking about it a lot. And in the future, I might hire somebody to do my cleaning for me. Because, because cleaning is so hard for me. If I, If I had somebody else to do it for me... I could focus on other tasks, and as long as I'm not going out of my way to be messy or going out of my way to be gross, then it should be fine, right? And that's something else I really want to touch on, is there's differences between being messy, being gross, and being disgusting. Being messy just means that you have things that aren't where they're supposed to be. They're cluttered. It's, it's uh, you know, it's just unorganized, whereas being dirty and being gross is you have filth, you have foul, vile substances, you have spots, you have just absolute awful coatings on things, you know. You could be organized, but you could be filthy. Or you could be uh, clean, but you could be uh, disorganized. And everybody, everybody, everybody I've ever talked to classifies it all as the same thing of just having, of just being dirty. And that's something I really don't understand is why can't they just take a minute to think 
well, it's disorganized in here, but it's not filthy. It's not foul in here. And that's that's something I kind of struggle with is because I know the difference, it's hard for me to say, well, it's dirty in here. I guess I have to clean now. I really need to start seeing being disorganized as a bad thing, but that's that's just, that's just the thing about it. Being disorganized isn't bad to me. It's not a negative thing to be disorganized. And I think that's why I get in a, in a lot of trouble for not being clean, is because people cl- classify organization with cleanliness when they're really not even the same thing. Yeah, sure, they walk along the same sides of the roads and whatnot, but they are not the same thing. They are two different entities. And I thrive in disorganized chaos. I really do. I'm okay with being disorganized as long as it's not evil chaos. Like, absolutely malevolent chaos, I should say. And it's 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 a hard it's a hard thing to explain because it's a hard thing to grasp that just because you live in a chaotic system just because you live where you don't understand the rules you don't understand the ideologies behind things doesn't mean it's bad like a lot of people like to say that um anarchy-based societies will not work because they are too chaotic. There's no one to keep order. But when you really think about it, like, over in, like, countries like Somalia, where it is an anarchy, there is a government in place, but nobody listens to them. Yeah, sure, there's the odd looters and plunderers and just people out there just for the sake of being out there to murder, but you have warlords. You have people who are although violent and absolutely terrible in every way, they are still thriving among the chaos. They are still on top of the system, even though the, the, even that, even though there's no system in place. And that's just, that's honestly where I see myself operating the best in, is unknown circumstances. Because even if something is unknown, we still have systems in place to help us cope with the unknown. And... That's something else I want to talk about is being organized and being clean and being like, you know, clear when you're tossed into chaos. That is what I consider clean is even if you are blind and can't hear blind, deaf, and you have had your tongue cut out, you can still communicate with others through your actions but something something I've really 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 I'm, I'm gonna keep adding reallys till I feel comfortable saying really struggle with <laughs> is that people don't like to take why something is happening into account when they pass judgment on others they don't take the background information to it some people do and those people are absolute legends like absolutely wonderful people who a lot of the times just have the whole leadership thing down but leaders don't often take reasons into why an action happened they just kind of accepted that this action has happened and you have failed because of it and it's it sucks it really does and the only thing i can really say for that is 
either get better leaders or get good. And it's it's not helpful to say those things. It really isn't. It it's it makes me feel better to say that to you, but it doesn't help you evolve past this I'm getting in trouble because my circumstance is bad. So my my really big advice is if you're struggling in a situation that is chaotic, don't worry about what your situation is. Just keep doing the right thing and the chaos will kind of meld with you doing the right thing. I don't like to bring my leadership into my thoughts like this because a lot of the times I don't understand why they do things that they do and so me doing the regular human thing of just passing judgment on something I don't understand kind of goes against my ideology of you should take the circumstances of a task or a uh, or a circumstance behind a what's it called fact that's it you, that should be as equally as important as the fact but I don't like talking about my leadership really especially with myself because because I can't understand their uh, circumstance I don't want to pass judgment on them and that's okay Something that I will will bring up, though, is that there are examples of existing with others, coexisting with others that are super important. And you, you should know how to behave and how to keep yourself straight around other people just long enough for you to go back to being genuine with yourself because we live in a place and time where people people only think about themselves like it's it sucks to say it, but it's absolutely true people will only think about themselves and you think no no i go out of my way to do charity work i go out of my way to help others that's true but at the end of the day there is some form of self-satisfaction to it so that's why even though I preach that you should be as genuine as possible with people you should also be aware of when it's appropriate to be that genuine with people it's because some people just don't care some people just do not care who or what you are they will just take what you have done into consideration and it's kind of bad it, it, it kind of sucks but that's okay it's okay. It really is okay that people are like that. Because if there weren't, then everybody would be too genuine with each other and nothing would get done. The, the secretly lazy people who go out of their way to work extra hard all day just so that they can relax other days, they would just do nothing all day. And then the people who really, really seem to do nothing but secretly thrive behind uh, behind closed doors, they'd suddenly rise to the top and no, not know how to handle being there. Or, or my favorite example of this is when somebody 
is a good leader, but they're not a good person, or the other way around, they're a good person, but they're not a good leader, you know? That's always a very sticky situation, because those are people who have figured out one half of that uh, situation and know how to thrive and run with it. And it's going to be impossible for them to figure out the other half. Like, some people... There are people out there who have figured out life like it is a textbook, and that's cool, good for them, but the fact that they are not helping other people get there, they're not teaching others how to exist there, that's what makes them, that's what makes them unsuccessful, in my eyes. But, then again, nobody will teach you how to act in life. Sure, your parents will take care of you and teach you the basics of existence, but when it comes to being an adult and just living life, the best that we can do is just try our hardest to be right. And honestly, as long as you're trying your best to do the right thing, I can't blame you for anything. And that's okay. But the people I really find issue with are the people who just give up. The people who just stop trying. In any number of ways, really. Because you can always keep trying. Yes, there are some things that are not worth the time and effort to continue to try because it is a lost cause. But you should still keep trying anyway. You never know. You never know if you will actually be the straw that breaks the camel's back. You know, the step forward that brings you out of the darkness and into the light. You know, the back to the video game analogies you you could be you could get that final frag that wins you the game you know you can be the guy or yeah you can be the guy who steps forward takes charge for once once and helps open up the eyes of others around him and that's why you should always try even if you're being pushed around, even if no matter what you seem to do, everybody's against you, you should still try your hardest because I guarantee somebody notices. Somebody does notice all of the effort you put in. And it's funny I bring this up because that's something something I don't really get on the outside is I never really get gratification for my efforts. It's not something that happens to me. But deep down somewhere, I know that somebody is noticing my hard work. Somebody is paying attention. And when I do make little mistakes, eventually somebody's going to stand up for me. Eventually. That doesn't excuse the fact that I keep making these mistakes, but somebody will eventually step step in for me. And people who have done that and to the people who do do that I thank you I thank you genuinely for standing up for me and it is you who give me the courage to keep going forward because I don't stand up for myself if I were to start doing that then I'd turn into an egotist I would be so self-centered if I started standing up for myself but that doesn't mean I don't stand up for myself from time to time. There are some things that are so atrocious that I can't help. But... 
but step out of line every once in a while and it's good to get out there and make sure you're heard but if you're constantly yelling nobody's going to listen so yeah I don't really know what else to say about this besides you trust in the people around you to do the right thing as long as you keep doing the right thing if you're doing the right thing, nothing else matters. And that's a sticky statement. It really is because, you know, people go, oh, well, bad people think they're doing the right thing. And that's true. They do think they're doing the right thing. But if you absolutely know deep in your heart that what you're about to do is the right thing, then by all means go for it but if you have even the slightest bit of doubt in what you're doing you can always talk to other people you can easily find somebody trustworthy to ask hey is this good am i doing good with this and they'll straight up tell you no if you're not it's 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 really funny actually when you are talking to other people though about what is and it's not too far you need to be confident about it. Self-confidence is really important when talking to people. And that's... I'm self-confident, as in I'm confident in my ability to do tasks, but I'm not confident in my ability to talk to people. So be confident in what you do, but at the same time, don't be so confident that you're not willing to take advice, that you're not willing to learn from what you do. And a lot of what we do as people is learning we do that for the majority of our life and then we die and that's a sad thought but be confident in what you do know but if you're taught differently then don't get offended I guess just be okay with not being right I, I suppose I could be saying it's it's important, you know, to say, I have talked to this person before, I can talk to them again. Or, I've talked to other people before, I can easily talk to this new person. You know, but at the same time, approaching them with a topic can be hard. Just trust in yourself to get it done. And, and that, that applies to all things that you do. Especially when you work. When you work, it is, I've done this before, but this is new. So I'm going to use my past experience to help guide myself through this situation. So you have to be confident in how you handle it. Or say you have to give a presentation. You will spend a lot of time studying for this presentation, or at least you should. That way you can have the self-confidence you need to give the presentation without fault. And if you're someone like me, you will nail your sources, you will get everything down, but when it comes to actually presenting it, that's where the confidence dithers, that's where it dissipates, is in your ability to communicate to other people this information that you have. And something that really helps me is usually I think about how much time I spent getting this information and getting it right and how long I spent talking to myself about this information 
And if I'm confident enough to talk to myself about it out loud, that means I'm easily confident enough to tell it to other people. So why am I afraid of getting it wrong? And then my it's about that point where I start to speak up and then I bite my tongue or something, you know, something silly that just shoots myself down. But standing up and standing brave through that and continuing on like a champion, that that is how you win a presentation, I suppose. That's that's the way you can handle something like that is by digging your heels in the face of uh, in the face of I want to say an adversary like when when you're struggling to accomplish something standing up walking straight keeping your head held high those other little things that basically say continue with the mental fortitude that you had previously and you'll be perfectly fine and it's true it's absolutely true but if you do struggle with it it's it's really hard it is hard to get past that point of self-doubt because it doesn't matter who they are or what they are nobody will be a bigger critic of your work than you self-criticism is hard it is absolutely harsh it is sometimes even unfair (laughs) Think of think of that. Your criticism of yourself is unfair. <laughs> That's it's silly to say it loud, but it's absolutely true. You the person you are most unfair to is yourself. So if you're ever doubting yourself, just remember that you are your worst critic and nobody can tell you otherwise. Sure you might have somebody who's extra hard on you from time to time, but they don't know the in- intricacies of your mind and they don't understand the deeper roots of your faults so be confident in who you are and how you do things because at worst nobody knows your mess ups like you do you are your strongest critic I just want to close up with one last thought I have about all this um In the topic of trust within others and yourself, something else you need to do is trust systems and rules that you put into place. If you have a way of organizing your life, and it's been working out so far, there's a high chance it's going to continue to work out. So, trust in yourself, trust in other people, and trust in the system that you have implemented.